Why, hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Orange Juice Optional. I'm Michelle, and I'm here today with my good friend, Suzanne. Hey, Suzanne, stranger, how are you? (laughs) I'm doing good, Michelle. How are you? I'm doing well. I know you were gone an episode, then you were back, and now you're back, so you shouldn't be like a stranger, but you've been so busy We haven't had these conversations we normally do. We haven't talked on the phone. We've barely texted. You weren't in Vegas. So I'm feeling a little bit disconnected. I know. I know. I feel, but I think we talked about it early on. I knew my April and May were going to be crazy months. And yeah, I had no idea what that even meant when I said it out loud two months ago. But um, crazy months. It's not letting you down. Like you're exceeding that expectation. You thought it would be crazy, but it's like crazy. Crazy. And yeah, and we'll get into that later just a little bit. We'll touch on it during our podcast. But yeah, crazy busy. Well, let me ask you about this because for so long, we were in the time of COVID, that C word that I hate so much, and things really slowed down. And now they have ramped up so much. And I know we've talked about it in past episodes, but do you find there's any areas that you're lacking trying to get back into a that busy routine or that traveling and being on the road? In what regard? Well, I will say for me, when uh-huh. I look at my schedule and I see this week's taken, I start right. getting like heart palpitations. But then I jump into, well, I've got a pack for these trips. And right. I'm the world's worst packer now because I don't even understand the concept of temperatures anymore because Havasu (laughs) was so hot and it gets so cold, but that's only comparatively. I'm a horrible packer now. I used to be so efficient. I could do a carry-on bag and that would be all. But now I'm so afraid of not being warm enough or being too warm. I can't get it right. I agree with that. And I think that my schedule, I remember when COVID first hit, how a part of me, and it was way in the beginning when we didn't realize it was going to be this two or three year process to get out of it, but thinking a little bit of relief, you know, kind of hitting a reset button where I had to take a step back from my busy life and kind of regroup. And it was great. And I was just thinking the other day, okay, how did I get to back to this crazy life of mine so quickly and as crazy as ever. Right. And for you, you have two grandchildren. And so that adds a factor that wasn't there until early 2020. I mean, Logan was born in February. So before then, with all your travel, it didn't even include that and you were busy and now you have grandchildren. And so that just adds a whole nother layer of busyness because it's all stuff you want to do. You want to say yes, you want to make those commitments, you want to go do those things, but it takes a toll because we're also a couple of years older. Well, yeah, thanks for pointing that out. No, I'm saying it about me too. (laughs) Why would I just say it about you, Suzanne? Well, I agree. Yeah, at my age, it's amazing how much you age in every year. <laughs> you feel it as you get older. You feel the toll it takes on your body when you have such a packed schedule. And yeah, and absolutely, my grandchildren have become my priority. And I always feel like I'm being pulled in other directions when I have to choose between 
spending time with my grandchildren and maybe something else. Yeah, it's so hard to find that balance. I'm just waiting for everything to feel normal again. I'm waiting to feel like I understand packing and I'm waiting to feel like there's not that big C word always looming behind the next corner as we just experienced. It's like, I just want normal, but this is a new normal. I was going to say, I think we're in normal. I think this is how normal is. And the packing thing, this has been a crazy weather year everywhere, not just where we're at, but, you know, extreme weather, no matter where we go, unpredictable weather. So you, you got to let up, you know, give yourself some grace there in the packing department because it's been a crazy year. Okay, well, we'll just see how it goes moving forward. I am 95% sure that when we go on vacation this summer, I'm going to be a smart enough packer to have only one suitcase plus a carry-on. That is my goal. And I'm working towards it in baby steps because I did Las Vegas. I capsule packed for four days, four nights, and that's all I wore. I didn't wear the things I went to get at the shop. That's mm-hmm. all I wore, what I brought. Good so, for you. Yeah. And, and how did that feel? Well, it felt good. It felt good to be able to stick with the plan and say, okay, this is all I really do need. But I love to shop so much that that feels almost like a threat to shopping. I can see forward. that. Right. Although it's just a different way of shopping. I know, but I don't know if buying one quiet luxury piece will be as fulfilling as two bags full of stuff. (laughs) I think it will be if it's the perfect piece. Yeah, that's the key there. Finding the perfect piece. Yes, Yes. exactly. Well, I'm going to have a couple other opportunities to practice the capsule packing because, well, by the time you hear this, she will already have been graduated. But Eva, a big shout out, she's graduating from college. And so I'm going there for a couple of days. So I'll get to practice there. I've got to go back to Alaska. And I'm really hoping that in June, I can go see my friend in Scottsdale and go shopping. <laughs> Anytime you want. When your schedule slows down. <laughs> yeah. And it should slow down in June. Let's hope so. Yeah. Knock on wood if you have it around you. Yep. Okay. Well, you have chosen a couple really fun topics today. So why don't we move on to topic number one? Okay. Sounds good. And we're back. And Suzanne, why don't you share what the topic is and also what the inspiration for this topic has been? Okay. Well, my first topic is just a fun thought. Again, I get a lot of my inspiration when I'm driving my car and I'll have a radio program on and they're chit-chatting, the hosts are chit-chatting and it's like, oh, I kind of like that. Well, and this happened to me the other day because the most popular names of 2023, baby names of 2023 were released for boys and girls. And I don't think this cha- this list changes from year to year, you know, like maybe every 10 years you see kind of a shift. But then the hosts that were talking about it were talking about their favorite baby names and or 
odd, weird names that it's like, what were they thinking? And names are so important because as you know, you have them throughout your entire life, unless you change a last name or middle name or something, but that is who you are. That is how everybody identifies you. So as a parent, it really is a huge responsibility to find a good name. Right. Yeah. One of the hosts on this radio program kind of coined that phrase. You're kind of branding that child with the name you give them. I love that. I know. Right. And I was thinking about that because I really felt that pressure. I had my daughter's name picked out from when I was very young. You know, this was always going to be my daughter's name. But when it came to my two sons' names, I struggled. And one of the one of them, you know, it took me like a week to name him. Just because we could Jeff and I couldn't agree on a name and there was it nothing really fit. And so it was a struggle. And I really like the concept of in the future, instead of asking somebody, what's your name? Ask them, what's your brand? Like, I'm totally <laughs> all about that right now. And oh, that's funny. I'm hearing what you're saying about naming your daughter, that you had had that name picked out from the time you were little. With my first child, I also had picked out and decided what his or her name was going to be. If it was a boy, it was going to be Cameron Scott, Scott being a family name, my maiden name. And if it was a girl, it was going to be Caitlin Alexandra. And I didn't even have to look at this baby. Like it had no time to show me or he had no time to show me his personality or if Cameron was a good fit. It's just what it was. And my husband, his father was on board. And so that's how his name came to be with Colton. I had no idea, like you with your two boys. And again, I didn't wait to look at the baby first. I just found a name I liked. And then I was a little sneaky in the way that I got my husband to agree (laughs) to it. But he wanted to go on a golf trip. So I said, if you get to go on this golf trip, I get to name the baby. And he agreed. And so we have Colton. And then the middle name is Anders, which is his dad's middle name but in a different language. Interesting. So, yeah. So you, you can get dirty when it comes to picking a child's name. You can use a little bit of manipulation or tactics to yeah. get what you want, I think, because, again, that's their name for their life. Right. Exactly. Okay. So I'm going to start by giving you the most popular names for boys and girls in 2023. Or would you like to guess? Well, it wouldn't be fair if I guessed because I looked them up. And I'm just interested in if the place I looked up the names is the same as the list you have. Or if reporting agencies might show it differently. (laughs) So I'll let you go ahead and list them. Okay. Well, the list I'm giving you is from babycenter.com. But the most popular baby names of 2023... Are for girls, we have Olivia is number one, and that is up one. Emma has been has held the reign of number one for several years. Emma is now number two, and Olivia has taken over as number one. So we have Olivia, Emma, Charlotte, Ava, Isabella, Luna, Amelia, and Lily. Those are the top eight. 
And the only difference between the list you're looking at and the list I have are Luna and Amelia are reversed. Amelia is six, Luna is seven. Interesting. So, yeah. They're probably neck and neck and yeah. something had to be a tiebreaker. Okay. For the boys, again, Liam has held the top spot for several years, but it has been replaced by Noah. So Noah is number one. Liam is number two. Oliver, Elijah, Leo, James, Ethan, and Mateo. Those are the top eight. Okay. And again, our lists are pretty close, except Noah is number two and Liam is number one on the list I'm looking at. Well, very. And interestingly, okay, so let's go back to the girl's name. Of the top eight girls' names, which one is your favorite? Oh my gosh. I would say probably Charlotte or Lily. Interesting. I would say the same, Charlotte or Lily. We are um, so in sync. I know. The only ones I don't like in the top eight are Luna and Amelia. Not a big fan of Isabella, but I love Olivia, love Emma. Emma is a family name in our in my world. Charlotte, Ava, and Lily, all great names. And you had a dog named Luna, so that's probably what you're thinking when you see Luna. <laughs> well, kind of. I know several Lunas. I know several Lunas and I like them all. So, but I'm just not a big fan of the name. Okay. So in the boys list, top eight, which one is your favorite? Well, of course it's going to be James because we have a James, but I also really like the name Mateo. Oh, interesting. I like Noah. I do like um, Noah also. Of the rest of them, not a big fan. James is a, I get James. It's a great name. I have an uncle, James. The problem with James, and I had a boyfriend once, I was like in eighth or ninth grade, and his name was James, but he went by Jimmy. And it's like, okay, so if your name is James, you're automatically almost going to be called Jimmy. And I don't know. I, it's a hard name because it's like, do you want to be called James or Jim or Jimmy? I, I don't know. It's a hard one for me. And again, we have a James that we mm -hmm. call Jimmy. He's, right. He was named after his grandfather. So his grandfather was James or Jim. And Jimmy mm -hmm. has always been Jimmy. However, in his professional world, he is James, right. I believe. Eva right. will probably correct me with this if I get right. it wrong. But there are times he does use, use James. But right. that is a family name. Right. And James is a very formal name, in my opinion. It is. And that's what I was thinking of all the names that are in there. James is really the only name that is more traditional. Mm -hmm. It is. With like the Johns, the Marks, the right. Roberts, things like that. I agree. Um, and looking at this list just really quick, because Christina was on the podcast that week you were Mm -hmm. taking a hiatus. Yeah. Yeah. But both of her kids, she has a Noah and a Charlotte. So she's on trend there too. That girl is always on trend. She <laughs> I is. I, I agree. I agree. So in the top 100 names on my list, I'm going to give you my favorites. I love Hazel, which I never in a million years thought I could love that name. But I do. I love the name Hazel for a girl. I also love the name Lydia for a girl. 
And I love the name I, Audrey, obviously. <laughs> My granddaughter is Audrey. And do you have a list of 100? I have or the you- full list of 100 for both girls and boys. But instead of going through and picking the names I really like, because I know with future grandkids, I probably won't have much say in it. I just uh-huh. look to see how many of my kids' names were on that list. Oh. And I'm happy to say that three out of the four boys' names are somewhere in the top 100. I have a number six, which is James, a number 59, which is Cameron, and a number 77, which is Colton, all spelled the same way. The only one not on there is Kyle. And I have a funny story about that. When Rob and Kyle's mom were naming him, Rob suggested the name Kyle after a race car driver. And his mom was like, no, no, because they're going to call him Kyle, Kyle, dog shit pile. And Rob's like, where do you even come up with this stuff? So that has been something or a story Rob has always shared. So Kyle, his Instagram handle is KKDSP, short for Kyle, Kyle, dog shit pile. So that's funny. Yeah, that's really that's a good story. Yeah. And I did look too to see if my name was in the girls list, Michelle, which it wasn't this year. However, my nickname was number 92 on the top 100 girls names. Princess. So people are naming their kids princess, but not Michelle anymore. I thought I thought that was really interesting. 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 Well, none of my kids names are on the list. I know I checked that out, too. Yeah. Yep. And but that's okay. I have very classic names, I think, for my kids, and and I'm okay with that. I don't necessarily want my kids' name to be everyone else's name anyway. Well, I get um, that. But both your grandkids' names were on the list. Logan was number seventeen, and Audrey was number sixty-five. Right. But Logan on my list, I guess it's not on the girl's name. But Logan is also considered a girl's name, but it is not on the top one hundred. I think that would be a um, wonderful girl's name. I think that's really cute. I know, but that's okay. So on the boys list, my top three names are, I'm having, I've always had a hard time with boys' names. I do like Leo. I do like Jack. And I do like Logan as, as boys' names. Those I really like the name three. Jack also. And I like Logan. And Leo's cute too. Mm-hmm. Boys' yeah. names are tough. Boys' names are tough. That's probably why I had two of them because then I, re- well, I only had to really think about one of them because I already had the other one picked out. But, you know, I was looking at an article called How to Choose a Name for Your Baby and I found it at verywellfamily.com. And mm-hmm. I wrote down some of the ways people come up with their children's names. And it could be a family name that they put in there. Like I said earlier, my son is Cameron Scott. Scott is a family name. It's my maiden name. Right. Or you could get like Jimmy. He's James the mm-hmm. second. So you could do that to have juniors, things like that. A uh, name could have cultural significance. Mm-hmm. It could be a place. You've heard of babies named Paris or Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Maybe even a mom who has a son named Phoenix, <laughs> Paris Hilton, <laughs> her son Phoenix. It could be named after something in pop culture, like an actor or a book character, an athlete. With my dog, and I know it's not a baby, but 
the number one question I get about my dog Rip is, Mm -hmm. did you name Rip after the character in Yellowstone? Oh. Which I don't watch Yellowstone. So sadly, we did not. But it's a badass name. And I'm happy she has it. Yeah, it's a Um, great name. Yeah, other ways people pick names are from their religion or from nature, picking a season, a color, something in history, something in mythology. So those are some of the ways that people... That's interesting. I think the most important thing is that you have a name that you can live with for the rest of your life. Absolutely. And some of the considerations that they said you should keep in mind when naming your child is be sure to write out the initials to make sure it doesn't spell something that you don't want it to spell. Think of nicknames that child could be called, Mm -hmm. which we kind of talked about. How does it go with a sibling's name? Is something they said to think about. And then I think I threw this one on. I can't remember if it was in the article, but how are those names associated with people you've known in the past? If you have someone you really don't like with that name, you're probably not going to want to name your child that. Um, Give thought to how unique something is. And if you want your child to be so super unique with that name. All really good advice. So that's all I got about names. Okay, well, then I think we can move on. Nothing else you want to share? Um, no, I just kind of wanted to throw out what current names are and yeah, and how we felt about them. Well, I think it's really fun. And I hope at least when I do have grandkids, they ask me what I think of the name. I know it's not my choice. I've already had my, my time, but I hope they ask. <laughs> well, here we go. Next subject. Okay, Suzanne, with your busy, busy April and May, you've had some experiences. And as we talked, maybe a couple you might want to share here with the listeners. Absolutely. Well, we're making a big leap from baby names to, which is beginning of life to not end of life, just a new chapter of life. As you know, I helped my mom move down to Scottsdale to be closer to me. And she's living in a very lovely community in Scottsdale. Scottsdale is known for its retirement communities. And we just found an amazing community for her to live in. And she is happy enough there. She misses Alaska very much, but she's happy enough there that she's decided to make it permanent. So I took it upon myself to volunteer to move my mother out of her house in Anchorage that she lived in for 40 years. And with the help of my three sister-in-laws, God bless them, because I could never have done this job without them. We spent six days in Alaska moving her out of her home so that we could get it on the market to sell. And I have never worked so hard in my entire life. And I'm sure if my sister-in-laws are are listening to our podcast, they are laughing at me because I can tell that they work this hard every day of their life because they were like energizer bunnies. They never stopped. They were go, go, go. And all I wanted to do was like, I'm so done with this. (laughs) And it, uh, yeah. And so they kept me moving. They kept kicking me in the pants. But we got up at six in the morning 
and we hit the ground running and we worked until seven or eight at night. And we didn't, we barely took time to eat. We were just, it was go, go, go. Um, but we got it done. House is empty, house is clean, house is on the market. But that's how I spent a full week in April. Wow. Well, the first thing I want to say is good for your mom. Making that transition is tough, but her quality of life, having you so close, having family that can come visit, that's going to make all the difference in the world. She doesn't have to worry about ice anymore and slipping and falling. And Mm -hmm. she has other people around her. So always someone to talk to. So it's a tough transition, but I'm so happy that she finally made it. Secondly, listening to what you were saying about how you were tired and drained and your sister-in-laws were like Energizer bunnies. Do you think a lot of that came from just the adrenaline of the situation? Well, I have two reasons why I think. Right. Was it the adrenaline of the situation, just knowing you had the short time period to accomplish so much? Do you think they were running on that? And then my other question is, do you think they could stay in that energized state because they are in-laws, they're once removed, they're not the child who's having to relive everything with the mom and with the dad, like everything has a different meaning or connection to you than it would to them. So if they're like, oh, we can get rid of this, why doesn't that make sense? You're like, well, wait, 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 let's hold on to this. And so maybe that was a difference there too, because you're a hard worker, you're a hard worker. Absolutely, that made a huge difference. But first of all, I have to give credit where credit is due because all three of my sister-in-laws are, I like to think of myself as a hard worker, but when I compare myself to them, they outrun me by miles. I mean, it's incredible how hard they work and they don't quit. However, to your point, the second part is probably more true because I one point when I talked to my sister, my sister wasn't able to come. And if it had been my sister and me doing the job, (laughs) it would have never gotten done because she and I would have alternated between, well, what should we do with this? And remembering our childhood growing up, you know, it's, it's something as simple as Tupperware because my mom had Tupperware that went back to the early 50s and Tupperware that you don't see anymore. Tupperware that is that has run through the dishwasher a thousand times, if not more, and still is Tupperware, like usable. I mean, you don't see Tupperware like that anymore. And the shapes and the pieces, because And something as simple as Tupperware, my sister and I would have struggled to get rid of. Whereas my sister-in-laws are like, we're done. This is going. It's good. And someone else, it's not like we threw it away. We gave whatever we didn't sell to Goodwill. And someone's getting a lot of use out of some pretty incredible Tupperware. (laughs) But had my sister and I gone through this process, every single thing in that house, we would have had to agonize over. So. Yeah, to your point, they kept me on my toes. They kept me moving. My one sister-in-law said to me a couple times, you can deal with that later. Pack it in a box, ship it to your mom, deal with it later. And I did. we did a lot of that. And it's hard. It's so hard when you're having 
to move yourself and to make those decisions about the things that you own and is there space for it? Does it need to go to storage? Like, how can I repurpose it? Do I donate it? Do I throw it away? There's so much because we just sold our house in Anchorage and this is giving me (laughs) flashbacks to that because it was a horribly hard summer, but I had the whole summer to do it and to, to let go of it. And it was extremely difficult, but having to make those decisions for somebody else, I just imagine that was so taxing. Well, and to your point there, it's like, because I started the process with my house in Anchorage too, because we were trying to downsize in Anchorage. And I didn't feel as much of an attachment to my own things as I felt an attachment to my mom's things. And I don't know what the difference is, but maybe it's just that things went back to my childhood, to my very earliest memories. And when I talked about them with my mom for the first time in my entire life, she would tell me why it was important to her and stories I didn't know. We had one story in particular, and we, we don't know the full story because it has to do with my great-grandmother and my grandmother. When my great-grandmother died, she and her husband had what my mom referred to as their wedding bed. It was the bed that they got when they got married. And when her grandmother died, for whatever reason, one of her sons, Ralph, threw the bed in the grave with his grandmother, or with his mother. Yeah, and we don't know why. We don't, because then Emma, my grandmother, actually took the bed out of the grave and said, you are not throwing this bed in the grave. And that's how that bed became my grandmother's bed because she rescued it from the grave, (laughs) which weirdest story ever, in my opinion. I don't know the circumstances that caused that to happen, but though my grandmother, Emma, ended up with a bed, that bed became my mother's bed. And then that, my mother's bed became my bed. But so that bed dates back to probably the late 1800s, around 1900. And to me, growing up, that bed was just a bed. And it wasn't until we started this process that that story came to light. And it's like, this bed has history. So anyway, so my sister-in-law who is doing a is building a bed and breakfast out of a historical home. She owns a historical home in um, North Carolina and she is turning it into a bed and breakfast. She is going to use that bed in one of the rooms in her bed and breakfast. And that feels right. That feels like that's where that bed should go. Wow. I have so many <laughs> questions <laughs> about that story. Like they threw the mattress in there and the frame, just the frame, like was it buried would, and then unburied? Like I just <laughs> have so many I questions. And I don't know the answer. I would assume that the mattress did not go in the grave. It was probably the head the headboard because we have the headboard and the footboard. And I think when I was a child, my parents replaced the connectors of the headboard and the footboard. I would guess that it was just the head. And I don't know. I We don't know the answer to that. But 
that's, but we do know that's how my mother, my grandmother got possession of the bed is that she took it from the grave. Right. And the really, you know, sad part of that whole story is something you said, you will never know why that was done because right in this human form, you just won't ever have access to it unless someone wrote it in a diary or something. And it just brings me back to the fact that so many stories, you know, with How our ancestors stories? just die with them. Things we never would even know that I'm sure are just as fascinating and could get that what response. And that's sad yeah. to, to know that's all being lost. I agree. And, and the exercise of going through my mom's things and asking her specifically about things to get over that hump of my mom, when I first asked her about something, she'll say, oh, well, that's not worth anything. Nobody's going to want that. Because that was my mom's constant reply when I asked her about something. And as I pushed the envelope a little bit and I said, well, mom, tell me about this. Where did it come from? And she dismissed my question by saying, oh, well, that was just my grandmother's. Again, when their house burned down, that was one of the things that they saved. But it's not worth anything. And I'm thinking... There's a whole story there that I've missed. <laughs> it's like, what fire? When? <laughs> and I just find it fascinating that there is this huge history of my ancestors that I don't know about because my mom didn't think it was a story worth telling. And not because, just because she didn't think anyone would care or anyone would be interested. And she probably didn't even think twice about it. It's like, oh, that old story or that old piece of furniture. And my mom had several pieces in her house that went back to the late 1800s. Another thing that we found that I'm sure my mom, I didn't even have to ask my mom about it, and it never came up in conversation. But as you know, I come from a long line of pastors and teachers. That was their profession. And we found my grandfather's German Bible, because our ancestry is German, that was given to him at his baptism in 1897. And it's like it was buried in a box. And I felt like I had found a treasure. Like, are you kidding me? This is amazing. We don't know who gave him, you know, it could have been his parents that gave him the Bible, or it could have been his grandparents that gave him that Bible. We don't know the history. We just know it was his Bible from his baptism. Wow. This is really a wonderful topic because it has me thinking in so many different directions. First of all, going into an antique store, that's something you'll never see me do because the energy there is too much for me because every piece mm -hmm. holds on to energy and I just, it's too much for me. I feel suffocated going in there. Mm -hmm. But when you grow up in a space that has so many memories and special moments just sprinkled around you, it's like magic every time you hear a story. And you got to grow well, up in that, even though you didn't know it at the time, there's just right. magic all around well, you. Stories. And Right. And how much of my parents' things that I looked at my entire life that I didn't see any value in, that I saw 
because I didn't know the memories of it. I didn't know the story behind it. And so you just kind of take for granted everything that surrounds you is for functionality, not for sentimentality. And when you realize that for my parents, because of their professions, didn't have a lot of money, um, a lot of what they had was purely for function. But yeah, you get to the later years of your parents' life and you realize there's a lot of history in this piece. Even the history of the pieces that came after they after my parents were married, which, you know, at this point, they're like 60 years old because my parents, you know, have been would have been married for over 60 years at this point. So yeah, it's, it's a fascinating study in, in personal history. Definitely. And I know your dad's looking down on you. He is so proud of you right now, do, going and doing that for your mom and helping her out. You're really a wonderful daughter. And <laughs> well, I don't know if I, yeah, there was a lot of swearing involved when. <laughs> well, that's just part of it. Like you're not right. being judged by that because it's a hard job. It, it really is a hard job. And I'm so happy that you had your sister-in-laws there with you to, to help you work through all of that. Yeah. 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 It was a pretty incredible experience. And it's behind you now, so you don't have to do it again. Yes, it is. Yep. Check that you one made off it my through. list. Yeah. Yep. Check exactly. that one off. Well, let's move on to closing then. Thanks again for sharing that. Okay, Suzanne, I guess it's about time to wrap this episode up. And we didn't even get through all the things that were like, oh, we should talk about this. So we'll get to save it for another episode. Absolutely. Yes, but a couple of things that I want to remind the listeners about. In next week's episode, we will be talking about Homecoming, a novel by Kate Morton. Mm -hmm. Still not done with it but I'm getting closer. So that'll be a good discussion, I think, especially with yes, the comparing and contrasting of this novel to the one we read last month. Um, right. So I'm looking forward to that discussion. And just so everybody knows, today is the last day of our 10K in May giveaway basket. Remember, it's not $10,000, it's just a basket, <laughs> but it's a fabulous right. basket. Right. And yeah, this contest has gone by fast. And I think everybody, both of our guests and myself have got to pick a word. So I'm going to give you the honor of picking the word for listeners today. My word is history. I love it. And there you have it. So the word for this week is history. Now, the contest rules, they're going to be in the show notes. Again, follow us on Instagram, tag three friends, and DM us with the word of the day. If you DM us four words, you get four entries. If you DM us one word, you get one entry. And for those who don't have Instagram or social media, just send us an email with the word at orangejuiceoptional at gmail.com. So I think that's everything. Have I forgotten anything, Suzanne? No, I think you've covered it all. Okay, well, I guess all that's left is to give you all something to sip on. And never be afraid to dive inward. Your soul will catch you. 
And that's by Angie Wieland Crosby. And with that, cheers, everyone. Until next week. Cheers.